My name is Sarah, and I play the wood elf Morlande Lightclass, the presiding druid over the protected remnants of Isatalos. You're listening to Advantage. Last episode, number 042, Alaris left the group to beat his Weaver's School rival. His bully, Leovold, had invited Alaris to a lesson in the ancient art of blade singing in order to woo the woman who, unbeknownst to Leovold, Alaris had met for a date earlier that same day. This lesson came to a duel, which Alaris won by using the wand of fear that he had, um borrowed slash stolen from the Library of Traditions. Meanwhile, the other three heroes met with the leader of Letris, Lanabryfear the Wise. Grimton, Morlinde, and Ulrich negotiated a deal with the ancient matriarch, pleading for the city's help to shield the protected remnants from the Tempest Oath army swiftly approaching. Finally, Alaris made it to the tail end of the meeting, and an arrangement was made. The city of Letris would fund the swift teleportation of an ally of the party, the Pandominion military leader, Lieutenant Colonel Erica Tri, to aid the defense of the protected remnants, on the condition that they leave the city for good. And that's where we'll pick up. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and warn you that this particular episode, this, this first one that we're recording today, uh, is really quick fire and involves four vignettes of you four, as you all are like trying to sort out what's going on, because we're, we just got out of the uh, meeting with uh, Lana Brayfier. Right. Yeah. Everybody else remember where we are? Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Sarah, you're up first. Okay. Melinda, it is very late, and the sky is dark. The new moon is close, very close. Split up the party after your meeting with Lana Brafir the Wise in order to take care of the myriad arrangements before the new moon, which is only two more nights away. You've wild-shaped into a small songbird and flew quickly up to the ridge where Shriya Panthala, the presiding druid over Letris, has made camp. He has sent word through the forest requesting the Circle of the Land to join you for this meeting, and you expect them shortly. From the hilltop... You two look over the sleeping refugee camps of the dwarves from Herdurth and the protected remnants from Isatalos. Also, the city of healing that has refused to accept them both. You see a half dozen small campfires flickering through the trees. Then Shria lets out a sigh and says, I sympathize with the struggle of Isatalos, presiding druid, and I can only imagine the pain that you and your people must feel before I commit to helping you fight the Tempest Oath, you must promise me something. And what's that? I need you to promise to return the survivors back to the East Italian hold. 
Though I would like to help you assimilate to Letris, it is not realistic. It will be painful, but Everflame has kind of offered you a new start for the protected remnants. You can reorganize as a new people. Um, I don't know if that's my decision to make, because I'm council, I'm not their leader. But I see your point, and I, I do think that we could really grow and rebuild Isatalos in a in a new way. Um, that back in the same spot that Isatalos was, and so I I can't make that promise, but I can definitely vouch for it and fight for it with the elders. Do you think that elders, Fallhide and Yesric would be willing to? bring it back to Isatalos? I think it would be put back up to a vote, honestly. Um, however, it's it's clear that it's it's clear that they're not welcome in Letras. And I don't know I don't know if it would be worth pushing. So I think that they might support it, seeing as how like they haven't been welcomed in Letras at all. I don't know where else you would go. Yeah. Well yeah, that's that's it. Two owls swoop into camp and transform into Colbin and Gavil, your elderly mentors and fellow druids in the circle of the land. Shriya Panthala shakes her hands. It's been a long time, fellas. How you been? Colbin responds. Well, the old back's not doing so well, but the garden is flourishing. And Gavil smacks Colbin's butt and scolds. Enough chit-chat. We've got a job to do. Shriya, we stoke the fire us, and Morlinde, you explain why we're up six hours past our bedtime. Um, well, the, uh, the Tempest Oath is about to descend on the East Italian refugees and the dwarves outside of Letras, and probably Letras too, um, and we really need some support in keeping those people protected, not only because their lives are, you know, have worth and they need to be protected, but also, like, to really keep the balance of the forest and keep peace. And so I would like to have your help in um, keeping those people safe um, in any way we can, honestly. So uh, we met with the wise of Letrus, and they're not letting us come in and fortify Letrus itself um, to prepare for what's coming. However, um, they're allowing us to relocate and fortify where we relocate. Um, with the help of Erica Try, who is, how do you say it? Is a castamentate uh, a fort of a the leader of the Southern Readout. Yes, yeah, she's <laughs> the leader of the Southern Readout, and a brilliant like fort builder and fortifier, and she has great skill in castamentation, and she'll be able to really uh, help us protect around that area. Um, however. Like, I want to add as much to that as possible. Um, and so I think that's where y'all may come in. Now, you recognize, of course, that we're far too old to fight in this battle directly. Of course. Yeah, and I, we might be able to transform into wolves, but, like, that wolf will just be as frail as we are now. Now, what we can offer you uh, is, is our counsel and our good graces with Kareth. We cannot guarantee any results, but we could request a parlay. Is that something you'd be interested in? <sighs> yes. 
I think that can really help us. Who all would you want in attendance? Wait, so y'all are saying that you've maintained enough of a connection with all of those presiding druids? I guess we are in the same circle. Kareth and us are in enough of, of a relationship to be able to speak with each other, I think. They were willing to spare our thatch hut during the fire. Um, Okay, well, I would definitely like y'all two there as counsel, um, if that's okay. Yes, of course. I don't think Cyanidel's a good idea. What do you know about the disposition of the presiding druid of Rock of Visions? Well, um, he is leading an army to come attack you. Yeah. So there's that. I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk my way out of this one. Um, <laughs> hell, let's uh, let's bring him in anyway. We'll ask. Let's go ahead and bring in Shreya Pinthala as well, just so we have a voice from Letris too. Uh, thank you, Presiding Druid. I would be honored to be there. Thank you for making this happen. I know it can be a lot. Um, I know all of this is a lot. Arik, you are with Elders Falhide and Yesrik all sitting around the table where you were just last night. And you've been explaining the meeting with Lana Brightfear the Wise and how she agreed to fund the teleportation of Lieutenant Colonel Erica Tri as long as Isatala relocates away from Letris. And Falhide says, Okay, so explain to me one more time why you're bringing a Pandominion military leader to help us. Uh... I mean, generally, it's that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I mean, the Pandominion isn't uh, terribly pleased with what the Tempest Oath is doing and can see the benefit in working with us. But specifically, it's that uh, Lieutenant Colonel Erica Tri is gifted uh, and trained at castrumentation and can help build the fortifications that could mean the difference in the battle to come. Like, with her presence... Uh, and the skills that she adds, it, it really could be the difference in whether or not we make it through this. And you're sure that we can trust her? What are you afraid of? Like, trust her how? I mean, yes is the short answer, but but what distrust are you experiencing? What are you afraid is going to happen? It was, it was the Pandemanian's presence in the forest that caused this whole situation, Auric. Well, Don't you see, like... We, while that is, we brought the vote to the people, and they they agreed to bring the Pandominion in, and that's how and why the forest burned down because the spirits were not pleased. Yes, but that wasn't the direct result of the Pandominion doing something. Like the Pandominion did everything that they said they would. They might have indirectly caused this but it wasn't something they tried to do they have not at one point in this um tried to uh be antagonists they have their own needs that they need to serve yes but they've never done anything to break our trust so yes i do trust her and where are you suggesting that we take them uh to carver's teeth it'll take a little bit of time to get there but it'll be worth it to draw everyone away from Letris so that those that live here aren't in danger. And it's significantly more highly defensible. It's the high ground. Everything about it seems more appealing than, you know, 
being right here next to Letras where we're sitting ducks. If we're traveling north and they're coming south, isn't that pushing the conflict one day ahead of where it would otherwise be if we even just stay here? Potentially, uh, though that does depend on the exact route they take. We might can evade them a little bit and still get that time. But I am personally not willing to endanger the lives of those in Letras. And honestly, even bringing up the conflict a day ahead of time is still going to... It's still going to be better there. The... the I feel like the worst that we can prepare in Carver's Teeth is better than the best we can prepare here. Additionally, it seems important to them to attack specifically on the new moon, so we find it fairly likely that they'll wait anyway, um, even if they catch us. Something about the new moon is really important to them. Carver would give it also a certain spiritual significance, too. Or do you know anything about the spirit, Carver? No, not personally. Admittedly, I'm not uh, not terribly close to, to that side of my life, to the spiritual side. Carver is the power of change over time, manifest in Carver's teeth particularly, which are, are three large mountains overlooking the Soul Serpent's Lake. The, the change over time is evident in the wearing of the cliff face from these mountains off of from from the waves and the currents within the lake itself as as time goes on fall heights has i do like the symbolism of this last stand of isatalos should it come to that taking place in a spiritually significant spot such as this elder yesrick says plus you're right there is the high ground and that cliff to our backs would mean that we only have to defend one side. I agree, and I will admit, elders, that the spiritual significance, while not necessarily lost on me, is not the most important thing to me. The b Both the gods and the spirits seem bent on making my life difficult, at least, uh, so I haven't put much stock in, in what they do. Uh, for me personally, this conflict is about what we people can accomplish. I would love nothing more than to have the spirits on my side, but honestly, I think this is the best thing regardless of what they intend to do. Do you anticipate any opportunity to parlay with the Tempest Oath? No, and I'm not sure that it would do a whole lot of good. We're all dug in at this point. They've they've chosen their path and I again, while I would love to see something non-violent happen to solve all of this, they didn't come all this way to talk. This, in my estimation, will inevitably be a battle. Hey friends, it's Joe. Uh, it's episode number 043 of Advantage. Hello to all of our new listeners, maybe? There was a really huge spike in numbers for the last episode, which is wild. Like almost 60% more than expected. Uh, if you're one of our new friends, welcome, enjoy. Uh, we're on the tail end of our first arc, which we've been building up to since episode number 001. This show is serial in nature, so I encourage you to listen to all of it in order to put these finale pieces into a greater context. But if you're gonna start anywhere, this isn't a terrible spot and we're delighted to have you. As always, Thanks to those who helped make this show possible, Blake Bost for the overture behind me and Daniel Grayling for our graphic art. Shoutouts to our Patreon supporters for making this show possible and loving us enough to keep offering their financial support. Um, 
uh, we treasure all of them and we try to show that through our reward perks. Those pledging $5 a month get to do hangouts and chats whenever we record and $10 donors get to stay on the call for the actual recording itself. Um, and when all this arc is said and done, they'll also be invited to uh, the review of the campaign and decompress with us during the Q&A episode. So, uh, much work has gone into the production of this show for you, and we want to make it even more incredible for ARC 2. So if you're feeling generous, if you love the show, and you want us to do a better job at it, it would be a great deal of help if you could contribute over at patreon.com slash advantage dnd or find a link at our website. Uh, in other news, Jazz from the Misadventures is still making progress editing the Switch series episode that she ran for Sarah from our show and Sully and Kayla from How Friends Roll. That episode will go up on the HFR feed after their current season, which is now being released. I had a joy of getting to play uh, an NPC in that story and now hearing it published is so much fun. Sully has done a ton of work putting it together and I can't wait for all of it to be live. Follow them for more updates at How Friends Roll. I also got to hang out with the cast of Fate and the Fable Maidens while they were in my area a couple weeks ago. In addition to doing their first live show at Anime Con in Dallas, it was also their half birthday. They've had an unbelievable amount of success in such a short time, and we are overjoyed to be able to celebrate all of their achievements. Go find them at FateFMCast on all the social medias. Likewise, our handle for everything under the sun is at AdvantageDND. So if you're new, uh, know that we love chatting with folks on Twitter, and I hope to see you there. Um, because we're entering the finale of Arc 1, we're also going to be doing a mailbag episode at this conclusion. Uh, and you still got plenty of time to start thinking about all the questions that you might want to ask the cast about the world, their characters, anything. Like, we love it all. You can send those to us on Facebook, Twitter, or our email, advantagednd at gmail.com. Again, Patreon supporters of the $10 and up tier are invited to record with us while we discuss the show, the story, and the arc, and whatever the hell else comes up. If you can, donate patreon.com slash advantagednd, and pretty please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. All right, let's get back to it. Thank you. Grimton, you are sitting with Briston and Herrick under the Candace fly at the bar make do. It's late, and you're drinking a pint, explaining the deal that the party narrowly cut with the wise. Herrick questions, so are you saying that we need to move on again? After we've already been rebuilding our lives here, you sure that these zealots might come after us too? We're pretty certain that all they're coming after are the remnants, so you should be safe here. There's nothing to worry about. Even then, I don't think that brings to light that we've been living in a refugee camp, really, for the past few months. We need some sort of permanence. I'm doing that freaking Irish accent again, damn it. You are. It's cute. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought that was your go-to voice at this point. No, it's not purposeful. I am still trying to do Scottish. So maybe we should move on, Grimton. But where would you go? Underground again? Listen, you're more than welcome to come with us if you're looking for a fight, but I'd rather you guys stay safe. We are going to a mountain range. It'd be somewhere if you're not 
opposed to making a settlement where there has been a fight recently, it might be good for you guys. Briston picks up his warhammer at the sound of battle and uh, says, Grinton, I hope you know that the red capes will fight by your side when the time comes and when you find yourself in battle. However, I don't know if the others would be so willing. I honestly don't think that Isitalis will garner many soldiers from us. And Herrick agrees. He says, I earlier you said that the battle was going to take the place here and we were going to be able to fight to stay at our new home. It's, it's one thing to call soldiers into a fight for their home, but it's another to call them to fight for someone else's. But who knows? Maybe we will find a new home at... What was the name of this place again? Carver's Teeth. You should ask these people here what they think, Grimpton. And with that, Herrick stands up onto his barstool. He says, All right, you lot. Studyhand has brought us new news about the approaching conflict. Tell him. And he gestures for you to stand up. I do so. Here's what is happening now. The fight, which we originally thought was going to take place here... We're going to try to move for the benefit of anybody who is not the target, the Zealots. We're going to be marching a day away from here to a mountain range called Carver's Teeth. And that's where we will fight the Tempest Oath. I see a lot of similarities between their ambitions, as I saw in the young days of King Greysunder. That, above all things is what has been motivating me to stick with these people and help them not suffer the atrocities that we did after the burn. I'm not asking you to come help us, but if you can lend a hand, make a bow, make an arrow, to help these people fight for themselves, that is all I can ask of you. And if you're willing to lift your axe and come fight alongside us, then you'll be met by brothers and sisters on the battlefield. And if it should so happen, you'll be met a warm welcome amongst the gods. Um, go ahead and roll me a persuasion check with advantage, please. First one's a 14. <laughs> Not 20. Or you, yes, you tell me about the uproarious response that you're receiving from this group. It's a little frightening, and there's definitely, like, a chill running down Grimton's spine as he sees everyone, like, down their pints and start, like, cheering and uh, breaking out into songs of uh, her dearth so it's a little humbling as well to see that uh people are willing to fight for a home that isn't even theirs um give me a perception check that's a 16 while you're trying to take in all the commotion you see uh that cute elf woman that alaris was talking to uh looking fairly despondent uh give me an insight roll about it uh 10 ah, not enough <laughs> Congratulations on acquiring plus many dwarves to your inventory plus many for the dwarves. future battle. To, my, to any future battle? <laughs> well, it's gonna be like. Go and put him in the bag of holding. It's gonna be like, like a year and a half later, and he will have still like been holding. Like, hey Joe, you remember that time? Here we go. <laughs> Can you imagine going to bars with our group now? God damn it. Yeah. Man, the line, the line is huge. I'm going to get out, though. 
it's late at night, maybe 1 or 2 a.m., and you're at the small Weaver's Guild Hall waiting for the Lieutenant Colonel to be transported from Havenmere to Letras. You've watched as a few wizards have been making arrangements with the other guild, relaying communiques back and forth through sending stones. The Wise gave you what basically is an IOU to deliver to the guide, promising payment for the cost of teleporting Tri. The Letras branch, in turn, has money indebted to the, to the wizard tower at Havenmere, since they're the ones who are actually going to be performing the teleportation circle spell and need to bounce the cost of the labor and material components. You know that the spell links two 10-foot diameter chalk circles with each other. You know that basically all weavers, guild halls, and affiliated organizations have permanent circles somewhere on their grounds, which theoretically means that with the right amount of coin, you could get anywhere that the weavers are in the material plane. You've been fighting back sleep as you sit on the couch, which was previously occupied by the Weaver's runners, uh, who you had presumed were working with Leovold to transport whatever he had back up to the Azure Keep. They're gone, presumably trekking the long journey north. By foot, it would take them about two weeks to get all the way there. You don't know if they have other magical means to expedite that process. Speaking of the devil, Leovold has just opened the door and walked over to the bookshelf. He has his back turned to you, and you can see him scan, looking for something in particular. He's paying no attention to you. I'm just going to kind of watch and see if I can see what book he takes. You see him find what he's looking for, then check the index and find a page. You hear him giving a confirming, suspicious, hmm. He puts it into his backpack, then walks to the desk and writes something down, and then leaves in a hurry. I'm gonna get up and go see what he wrote down. The whole card catalog entry says, Leovel Deldrich, Keepers, Wands of Dangerous Power by Hammond Quaylees, then the date, and the date two weeks from today, which is when it would be returned. Hmm. Give me an arcana check. Uh, 15. You remember from your studies that Coelice was a scholar of necromancy and other dark magics. Okay. So I would assume, I, I assume he's just doing research based on the information he found out about me today for the most part. That, that, that's what I would assume. So all's fair. Yeah, about the, about the wand of fear that you yeah. used earlier. Yeah, all, all's <laughs> fair in, in rivalry and rivalness. Love and war as the case may be with Maylin. Yeah. Later, at some ungodly hour in the night, you hear a crackling in the corner. You look up to see the teleportation circle shimmering eerily. The bright light bursts forth and your eyes adjust and you see Lieutenant Colonel Erica Tri standing before you. She wears scale armor and a cape of pandominion royal blue. At her hip, you see the sword Peacemaker, which she used to knight you and Grimton as special legionnaires two weeks ago. She says... Good morning, Special Legionnaire. Let's get to it, shall we? We shall.
One, two, three. Wow. That was so that bad. was definitely pow 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 from my audio, but Yeah, for mine Let's too. Let's try that again. Yeah. Just out of curiosity. Uh one, two, three. Yeah, that was still really off. <laughs> It'll be That'll what be it is. Yeah, good luck, Joe. Do you want to in character explain the whole um try situation? Oh, the cast mutation. Duh. Sorry. Yeah. I keep forgetting that, like, not everybody sat in on that meeting. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's only you four. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Every major or minor character was just in the meeting. It was just there. They, they Ready called in. Ready to get beer. <laughs> yeah, God. Ulrich, you, uh, here's an update about the game. 94th minute. Uh, still 1-1. One, one. Um... <laughs> that took me way too long to figure out what was happening. I was like, what? <laughs> Arik, you are playing in a uh, football match uh, between Croatia and England at the moment. <laughs> I'm struggling because I'm wee small. It's, it's, uh, it's going to go to penalty kicks. And it is probably going to go to penalty kicks. Uh, <clears throat> looks like Croatia just got a yellow card on a nasty tackle. Uh, side note, do you remember back in episode 001... Stephen, when uh, Ulrich addressed uh, the Deva and Candice, promise we won't all burn for this. I that is still my favorite moment in this entire show. Like I, I love love that moment. The beautiful unknown foreshadowing that, like, <laughs> that you did, despite Ulrich's fears and insecurities about the whole situation. The Pandominion, this this is, I'm not in character right now. The Pandominion really sure. didn't do anything wrong. Like, they didn't do anything shady or, you know, they were honest and clear about everything they were going to do. They did those things and they just had some negative impacts, you know, that didn't go well for everybody. Right. What's the, Hey, Sarah, what's the mathematical thing for change over time? Delta. Sigma. Delta? You're right. It's Delta. Carver is personified Delta. <laughs> it's a great place to pause that scene, too. I like the ominousness of it. Um, Ulrich is not... See, this is the thing. I really did imagine this character being, like, a happy, cheerful character. But, like, <laughs> just, like, life just keeps <laughs> dumping on Ulrich. And so... They're more like cheerful spirit has been just kind of like crushed out and they've become this sort of bitter realist. Um, <laughs> and like, it's kind of weird. Like, I don't know. Like, it's not, not at all what I had envisioned, but this is the, this is the Ulrich created by the world in which they find themselves. Yeah. Just wait until the next campaign where we try to break Ulrich's spirit completely. <laughs> I See, that's the thing. I don't think you can break their spirit anymore. They've found something that's important to them, and that's it's self-reliance. Like You say that now. <laughs> Joe. I, I mean, I do, but like, Ulrich, in my estimation, seems willing to like, die for the one simple belief that they have in protecting those around them. They're willing to go to such extreme lengths. That gives them a degree of purpose and a degree of uh, again, self-reliance because it's like, you know what? Forget whatever the gods and spirits are going to do. This is one thing I can do. This is one thing they can do. And so, that's what they do. 
Yesi, Croatia's up 2-1 to one in the 109th minute. I am not pleased. Me either. Um, maybe football isn't coming home. But I can't say that I'm surprised, unfortunately. At least it's not in penalties. Yeah. You're right. Side note, I read a series of Scottish tweets the other day, and it was literally the funniest thing I'd ever seen. It was so great. What does that even mean? Like, like tweets by Scottish people, and, like, they're spelled out the way they would say them, and they're hilarious. <laughs> like, I, one yeah, of them... Yeah, one of them, I think my favorite one was this person, and I'm going to butcher this accent, who was talking about how they changed the gun emoji to a water gun. And they're like, they're like, I don't know why I always tend to change that. Uh, when I use that, I'm, I'm literally trying to kill myself, not scoosh my temple with a little bit of tap water. <laughs> not scooch me temple. My... Yeah, not scoosh me temple. It was so funny. Or like, or like, 